0: All right, open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. My word, I got one. Okay, the book of Acts. I told Saturday night because they answered so well. I said, everybody get a post-it note and stick it on the back of your seat. And says that says, the post-it note says, get happy when he says Bible. I don't think they did. Are you in the book of Acts? There it is. All right. Here we go. Today we're going to pick it up at verse 4 of chapter 2 and go all the way through uh, verse 13. I'm going to read through it. I'm probably going to interrupt myself. In fact, I guarantee I will, but then we're going to come back and and do some explaining. All right, you ready? Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. This is the crescendo from last week. This is the crescendo, the climax, the moment in the upper room. The, the upper room scene, the camera is up there. And, and we see that this is it. This is the fulfillment of the promise. The Spirit of God comes and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all begin to speak in new tongues as the Spirit gives them the ability. But now Luke will shift the camera the camera has been on the upper room but now it will the camera will 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 pan out i guess that's what they call it and it's going to zoom in to below meanwhile you might say meanwhile Meanwhile. good job meanwhile below the upper room this is what's going on in verse 5 now there were jews residing in jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven i have that underlined in my bible from every nation somebody say every nation See if you can begin to pick up a theme from what Luke is talking about, this crowd. From every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered. Because each one of them... Oh, say that with me. Each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Verse 7 they were amazed and astonished are you keeping track of the adjectives that Luke is using So far we are bewildered and amazed and astonished saying here's what they were saying why are, why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? now see you read that and go I don't understand what's, what's your point Luke well, here's his point. What we don't know because we're not part of the culture here is that Galileans did not have a reputation for being eloquent. Galileans might have been... We are, I'm looking for a common analog. We might have said, oh, where, how, do, how is it possible that all of these hicks are speaking the perfect language from all of our or places of origin? Galileans actually had a, there was a couple of, uh, you don't care about it too much, but in, uh, in the, the syntax, that some of their consonants were consistently omitted. They just didn't say them. So you could tell if a Galilean was talking because they had a very specific accente. And so they're talking and they say, wait a minute, how are these Galileans? And verse 8, how is it that we each hear them? We've heard this again. We each hear them in our own language to which we were born. And then now Luke gives us kind of a survey of who was there. Verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, uh, uh, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own own tongues the mighty deeds of god yeah. you cannot miss what luke is doing here he's the idea of every nation there's an international presence all of them we're hearing all of this is is part of what luke is intending for us to hear that that and and this is pentecost yeah. the rivers have overflowed the banks this is now a flood The flames have jumped out of the barrel. There is no longer a controlled burn. What is happening now from heaven is going to be for and affect every nation on earth. (laughs) Verse 12, and they all continued in amazement. There's another one. And great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? but others were jeering and saying, they're full of sweet wine. Pentecost came with power and with presence and with promise, and the the promise of the Spirit was fulfilled with both experience and, and with expression, and the phenomenon of tongues was new. It was astonishing. It was amazing. It was bewildering, and for some, it was perplexing. The sign of the Spirit came with some mixed reviews. The sign of the Spirit came with some mixed reviews. Today, we're going to talk about the language from heaven and how it originally arrived and, to some degree, remains with mixed reviews. So let's talk about the text. Let's walk through it a little bit. Let's take a closer walk. First of all, the first thing we see, we, we look back at, at chapter 4, and we see that there was a sound from above. Coming from the upper room, there was a sound. What was the sound? Pentecost is evinced. Is it, it was expressed by a language from heaven. Ooh, say it out loud, a language from heaven. L- luke uses the phrase he we we read different tongues in the greek it that is the that that's that that's that that's, that's glosses remember we talked about the difference between alos and heteros when we talked about another helper that alos means one of the very same kind indistinguishable but heteros means a different kind that means that these people were speaking languages the galileans were they were speaking languages but not their own it was a different kind of language Maybe help me say that out loud. A different kind of language. They were speaking a different kind, not one they normally spoke. And what we from understand from only from this text, and we have the benefit of hindsight throughout the rest of scripture, we understand that what they were speaking was a spiritual language. It was a, some folks call it a prayer language. Why does it make sense to call it a prayer language? It's because it's a language they're speaking when they're praying. <laughs> And it's it's by the Spirit. It's a a prophetic language. We'll get more into that next week. It's a spiritual language. We will see that this language, these other these other tongues, are it's a language of prayer and praise and communication with heaven. But what we need to see is that they were speaking. Someone say they were speaking, speaking. but 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 Luke says they were speaking as the Spirit gave them the ability. So it is a Spirit supplied ability. A spirit-supplied ability. I'm not repeating myself for the sake of repetition, but I want us to get in there. This is a spirit-supplied ability. It is not a spirit taking you over, making you do something. A T. This was not. This is not an ecstatic, uncontrollable spiritual seizure. They were all having. They were speaking. It was an act of their will, as we, we learned about uh, a little bit Saturday night. We told the, I told the folks that was one of the, the first things I said out loud in, in my seminary, which was, again, a part of not of a Pentecostal tradition. They were talking about this kind of thing, and many of my classmates were using different words to describe it. Uh, one of them actually said, that Pentecostal junk. <laughs> yeah, they did. I just kind of went, <sighs> yeah, I didn't say nothing, but I just moved over a little bit. Uh, uh, but, uh, and then they said, Oh, it's ecstatic. It's all, it's like the spiritual seizure stuff. And I just raised my hand and said, No, it's volitional. Volitional? Well, what's that mean? It's an act of your will. The Spirit will supply it, but you choose. Right. Okay. They spoke as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. And they all began to do it. They were all speaking. Just say it with a big smile, will you? They were. They were all speaking in tongues. Everybody in the room. Not three, not four, not ten, not two left out, not four going, what's going on around here? But everybody. Tongues has never been or never had been intended to be exclusive. It was never, tongues is never signaled, uh, it never was ever supposed to signal the supreme spirituality of the speaker. Ooh, tongues. As a matter of fact, like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, tongues is the great equalizer. Yeah. That, all, that all flesh, every person, will has the capacity and the ability and the invitation to participate in this language from heaven. And we know the content of what they were saying is in verse 11 Is that they were speaking the mighty deeds of God They were declaring the mighty deeds of God And so we're not, it's not exactly cl- absolutely certain But it's not, it doesn't need to be either It was either they were praying and praising God Just directly to Him Just talking about the mighty deeds of God or like, it might have been something like in the Psalms, they were, de- they were praising God and declaring him almost in third person, like Psalm 67. Let the whole earth know. Let, let, let your name be praised among the nations. That's talking to God, but, but in a way that it's okay if everybody else hears. May all the peoples praise you. They're blessing the Lord. So what we, this is really important, is that the lang- this language from heaven is primarily directed back toward heaven. They were talking they were speaking to God. They were, it, was a, it was a God word expression. Might help you just think about that like looking up. They, this, they were speaking in tongues and it was a God word upward expression. It's also important for us to recognize that the disciples in the upper room they had no immediate intention or awareness of an audience other than heaven. They were were caught up in in praise by the Spirit and they had no awareness of any other audience other than God Himself. Filled with the Spirit, they responded by the spiritual language, lifting up their voices in prayer and praise back to God. They were praising, they were praying in the Spirit together. But meanwhile, say it again, meanwhile, meanwhile, the response from below, Below them, in, in in the city now, because again it's it's a it's a feast. There are thousands of Jews, and they begin to hear this sound, and thousands of them begin to, to begin to gather below them. And who is there, Luke tells us, there are devout Jews there, God-fearing Jews, and proselytes. That means Gentiles who had converted to Judaism were also there. And Luke wants us to know, from every nation under heaven, this is not an exhaustive list he gives us, but the emphasis is an international presence, everybody, all kinds of countries, people, in other words, people you wouldn't even expect to have this kind of an audience were there. Once again, no one is excluded. This is not favoritism or selection. This is outpouring. And what did they hear? They were drawn by this sound. And this is so important. They each heard in their own language what was being said. They each heard in their own language what was being said. Now, this is a miracle on both ends. This is a miracle that the Galileans were able to speak in a language heavenward, unaware that anybody was paying attention to them. They were just lifting up their voices to God, and it was a miracle that this crowd was able to understand any of it. This is really important. You ready? This is a little bit Dav, maybe, and this might and this might run afoul, perhaps, of some of the notes in a, in various study Bibles. But that's okay. They're free to be wrong. <laughs> Many folks will say that what, what was happening is That people are wandering around down below And they, and they look up and they hear these Galileans And they say "Well, wait, John what do you know I hear a little bit of, of uh, Cappadocian up there Don't you Well yeah I do I hear a little bit of Cretan as well Listen carefully I hear a little Pamphylia and the idea is that they people will say, as, as a matter of fact, one commentator said Luke was just wrong. There wasn't any spiritual, there wasn't any supernatural language that people just could, that people just actually could overhear them praying. Here's the problem with that: it's impossible. I'll prove it to you. Want to prove it? All right. Here's what I want you to do: a little, a little experiment. Okay. I want you to all think of either the title of your favorite song or any song you like. I say favorite song, and people panic. They can't think of one. Okay, so a title of a song that you like, or just the uh, uh, just a one line lyric to your to a song that you like. The only the only the only catch is has to be in English. Okay, ready? So, La Bamba is not going to work. That was <laughs> the only one that I didn't. I thought what's up? I don't know. Yeah, Hava um, Nagila. You ready? You got it. So I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you just to say that one line robustly with a degree of enthusiasm like you're happy about it all at once. Are you ready? You ready? One, two, three. Stop. How many of you understood one another? No, you did not. You did not, I always get one of well, I heard, yeah, you heard the person next to you, maybe. But if you were down and below and everybody else was up there and they were doing that really loud, really long, just yeah. saying it over and over again, you you wouldn't have understood a word anybody was saying. Yeah. And they were all speaking English. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You understand that it would be impossible For a crowd of thousands to discern a crowd of perhaps hundreds uh, and and discern their language. If all that they were speaking in a bunch of different languages and they could understand them clearly. Why we hear them speaking the mighty works of God. No. What was happening was this was a miracle on both ends. This was a miracle of speech and a miracle of hearing. And the purpose... Was very significant Some say oh you know what We think this was a, a reversal of Babylon Or Babel the Tower of Babel Remember the Tower of Babel And the Lord comes down and scatters them By separating their languages and they spread out Some say this is a reversal of Babylon I'll say okay But, it's, but that's, that's too short Too small Because if it were a reversal of Babylon This would be well God having to bring everybody together You know they would all have to come back Rather than be scattered But it's not that. This is not a regathering in one place so that we can all meet God. But this is God bursting from heaven to meet men and women in their hearts. The Spirit came. There was experience. There was expression in this language from heaven. And then there was this hearing of it from below. They were hearing the works of God. What was the verdict? <laughs> well, Luke tells us that as they listened, even though they heard them speaking the, the, the great works of God, that they continued in amazement and perplexity. And they asked, some asked, well, what does this mean? Or in the King James, what meaneth this? <laughs> what meaneth this? Well, here's the fun part. Luke, that's a setup. That when. It, <laughs> Here's a thought. When Luke includes a question in the book of Acts, pay attention because it's always a setup. It's fantastic. So here's another setup. What does this mean? Well, the rest of the book tells you what it means. But not just the rest of the book, the rest of history. Yeah. That question is, being, was, is, is continued to be answered throughout history. And that question, well, what does this mean? That question continues to be answered by your life. You are part of the story answering what does this mean? They were amazed and perplexed, and some said, what does this mean? Others of them simply said they're full of sweet wine, meaning they're sauced. Well, they're sauced. So, amazement and perplexity and curiosity and dismissal, the sign of the Spirit came with mixed reviews. And to this day, the sign of the Spirit continues to have some mixed reviews. People respond and have different opinions about this idea of tongues. Some stay clear of it altogether. They don't want anything to do with any of that tongues business. They sound more like my friends from seminary. They don't want any of that Pentecostal junk. Some have... have a, have a view that they're they are open. They, they're open, but they're cautious. Well, I'm open to it, but I want to be cautious. Some they they, they all accept it, but they insist on rules. Hey, okay? there's got to be rules. And they get the rules, of course, from 1 Corinthians uh, 14, when Paul is addressing a very specific scenario that was happening in a very specific place, the church at Corinth. FYI, the church at Corinth gathered together, and they were so enamored by tongues that apparently that they got together, and oftentimes they got together and, and just talked to each other in tongues. And you know what? Nobody understood what was going on. They were just talking to each other. Like, so, like instead, of, instead of getting up to teach like this, they would get up and just start teaching in tongues. And with the idea of, oh, look how spiritual I am. And then it was like the emperor had no clothes. Oh, yes, I totally am getting, I'm getting a lot from this. If you're not, you're not very spiritual. Paul comes along and says, you guys are fruitcakes. Yeah. Well, that's the paraphrase. <laughs> he said, you cannot win. He said, he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks to God. Yeah. Yeah. So you, if you're going to speak in tongues for other, uh, with the intention of communicating with or other people, make sure there's an interpretation. Otherwise, you're not going to help anybody. You gonna help yourself He'll still say Well now you help yourself You'll build yourself up But if you're just talking to them They're not going to understand you So then he says All right So to make sure that If, you, if you're, t- you're going to give a message Or you're going to give an utterance In tongues To other people Make sure there's an interpretation If your intention is To communicate to other people Make sure there's an interpretation That's what he says That somehow Eventually became This hard and fast rule That nobody speaks in tongues Unless there's absolutely An interpretation all the time Well here's the problem with that What would you do in Acts 2? You got 120 people at least, all praying in tongues, not, not caring if anybody's listening. They're in Naboor, They are lifting their voice right. in praise. Yeah, right. Back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, uh, I got to go faster. Back in the day, I was, uh, when I was uh, we, uh, a church building on the other side of town, we used to have Sunday night church, and in the afternoons, we would rent our church out to Pentecostal Russians and i would be in the church office my office in the and sunday afternoon getting ready for the evening service and i would typically hear them doing church and they would have church and they would and a long time church long time and uh, cuz they would have more than one preacher i'd ask the kids sometimes how church was going and they said oh we are at second preacher now i thought boo mercy all right uh, so they, and then and then I would hear them I would hear them sing and then I would hear them pray. But I remember occasionally I'd be, I began to catch on that I would hear them I could get used to the Russian. But then every once in a while I would hear the entire congregation uproariously praying and it was not in Russian. And they're all doing it at the same time. And I thought to myself, what in the world's going on in there? Now I feel silly now thinking of this, but this was, it was this was a minute ago. And so finally one of the pastors came in to talk to me and I said I hear you guys and I said are you guys all together? Praying in tongues? He said, well, yeah. And I said, well, what do you do about interpretation? He said, well, we're not talking to each other. I said, oh. He said, we're, we're, we're lifting up our voice in intercession and praise. We're talking to God. We don't need interpretation. We're praying. And we're all doing it. I said, oh, Okay. I, I thought, well, this is fantastic. So then, every time I heard them doing that Sunday afternoon when they shifted from Russian to tongues, I get out of my seat <laughs> and I, I'd lay on my face and I'd join them. And that's the thing about praying in the Spirit is that I, now that I can do the same thing in Cuba and I do. I can do the same thing in Argentina, and I do. I can do the same thing in Ghana, in, uh, in Nigeria, in Congo. I've sp- In Co- Congo, mercy, I've spent hours just waiting, leading. I'm, I don't even, this is just, I mean, just interesting, just, just to raise the notch a little bit. One altar time was, was an hour and a half leading 4,000 Congolese in prayer and song in the spirit. That was how we ended church. Now, I will say that when that happens, things tend to happen. In Azusa, when they would do that, when they would just extendly do that, that's when, according to their testimony, the visible glory of the Lord would enter the room. A visible cloud would come and settle in the room. Also, what tends to happen is the longer we do that, it it tends to mess with other, I'll say this reverently and carefully, it tends to mess, mess and agitate other spirits in the room. Looking over at the McKinney's, they know what I'm talking about. Typically, you give the Holy Spirit, you reverence Him and give Him pride of place, and other spirits who shouldn't be there begin to get agitated. Typically, they start going, hey, we want out of here. And so you help them leave. (laughs) I've never seen as many deliverances as as I did at a celebration of Pentecost. In, in Congo, where 10,000 people got together to celebrate Pentecost and an extended altar time was an incredible time of deliverance so because of the honor and the pride of place the Spirit was given. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For many people, tongues is, rele- is relegated to something that is occasional or just an ecstatic expression. But if we will let our faith be better informed by Scripture, we will see that it it shouldn't be relegated. It shouldn't be set aside. It's not just a choo choo train when we get excited. It's not just a a charismatic ki. It's not, this is something, it's it's far more than that. And and I want to just share, if you will, my approach. Uh, To to tongues Can I do that I'm just going to share my approach to tongues And here's the deal If I don't share with you Why this matters to me And it's place in my life Then I would be derelict in my responsibility I would be callous in my love for you I'm not insisting that you share my passion But if if I hide this from you I would be being disingenuous I would be failing you My approach to tongues Is informed by scripture And by testimony by scripture, what I mean is this. When we read the New Testament, anything the New Testament says about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, there is zero hint or any suggestion at all that anybody should be cautious. Right. Yeah. There is no idea. But hey, now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, take it easy, be cautious, be careful. No, it's, first of all, it's absolute trust in God. Right. And there's, so it's trust God to give you something good. Yes. And the second thing is eagerly desire. That's the only prescribed attitude toward the person and work of the Spirit is to eagerly desire all that he has. The third thing is that everything with regard to the Spirit, our desire for his work in our lives and our desire to participate with him should be guided and governed by love. Love for God and a desire to love people. Yeah. In my own experience... Um, The practice, the value and the practice of praying in the Spirit is significant in my life. It has a significant place in my own life and has made a significant difference. And I'd like to share you four reasons. I got about a a minute here. Uh, There are four four reasons why I I value and practice praying in the Spirit. I'd like to share them with you. The first one is assurance. Everybody say it out loud with me. Assurance. What do you mean by assurance, have Well, in Acts chapter 2, it begins and then it continues in the book of Acts that when they began to speak in these other languages, they knew that, that they had received. They, it was assurance to them that they had experienced this promise of the Spirit. And then later on in the text, and we'll see it as we unpack it, Um that when others when others also events, when others also have this expression, they recognize that they too have experienced the same spirit. As a matter of fact, Peter it goes out. Luke goes out of his way to record Peter three times in Acts chapter ten. He records it in real time with the household at Cornelius. Peter then repeats, and at the, at the household of Cornelius, they see, they hear Gentiles praying in tongues, and they say, "Look." They have received the spirit the same way we have, and there can be no doubt about it. Then he repeats that same testimony in Acts chapter 11. Then all the way again in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council, when they're deciding how they're going to relate to Gentiles, he reminds them of that same encounter. In other words, it was that expression that gave them assurance. They knew that they had experienced the same spirit. And so when I pray in tongues, I can say to myself, the same word. Holy Ghost is in my life. Right. I have the same Holy Spirit. Therefore, the same the, the the Book of Acts is still the same. The the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. Yeah. The song says, and I I can believe that the same person and work of the spirit that i see alive and at work in the scripture i can believe that that same spirit is alive and at work in my life now yes. the same holy ghost on them same holy ghost on me same holy spirit here the yes. same ability the same responsibility the same opportunity yes. it gives me assurance that i have not received less that heaven has not turned off the spigot that god does not moved by moods that he had never, that he has poured out this, which we now see in here, and this promise is for everyone. And there are times that I deeply need that assurance, especially when I'm facing crisis or opportunity or need. I need the assurance of the Spirit. And so, just beginning to pray, and the Spirit tells me that I know that that same Spirit is with me. Furthermore, we re- we remember that they chose to speak, but they did so as the Spirit enabled them. That means what they were doing was miraculous that every syllable spoken in the Spirit is a miracle. And so when I have been in situations where I have felt overwhelmed, where tremendous need is in front of me, and I know that I can do nothing to help. I was telling them before the other night, I remember specifically being across the world in the Philippines in 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 a crusade service, and there was a sea of broken humanity in front of me, and they all came expecting me to do something about it. And I texted Brian Saulwasser because I knew he was up. He was still working the the late, the switching shift as a sheriff. And I said, bro, you got to pray right now. And after he prayed, he texted me back. And The only thing I could do is pray in the spirit because I knew if I can pray in the spirit, if I can do that miracle, then there isn't any miracle that's not possible now. So I have done the same, whether it's on a rooftop in Cuba or, or, or the Gulf of Mexico in Texas. I begin to pray in the Spirit, and I say, if, God, if the Holy Ghost can meet me here in this spot right now, then there isn't anything that God can't do right now. So I pray because of assurance. Secondly, I pray because, it's, it's a, because I need help. I pray in the Spirit because I need assistance. Maybe everybody say Assistance. Okay. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 13 through 15. There, listen to Paul and listen listen to what he's saying because he's going to help us see something. And I pray the Lord help me to say this succinctly and, and persuasively. Therefore, Paul says, one who speaks in a tongue is to pray that he may interpret. Not everybody reads that one, or at least they might read it real fast. But listen to verse 13. If you pray in a tongue, you, if you speak in a tongue, pray that you interpret. There is an expectation, there is, an, there is a, an anticipation, there is a direction here that the person speaking, you should anticipate that that is not, that although it, it doesn't always have to have an interpretation, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you should pray. Pray to see if there is one. Say, Holy Spirit, are you speaking to or through me right now? Is there something you want me to know or to feel or to sense? And the person, uh, and again, growing up classical Pentecostal, we separated separate it out. If you got a tongue, somebody over here has to have the interpretation. Well, that's possible. But, the, but it makes most sense that the source would have would have the, the, the interpretation. Okay? Verse 14, listen to this: for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. And meaning that that, that he prays in the spirit, he's not using his mind, his mind isn't the source, he's not imagining these words, okay? Verse 15: what's the outcome, or what shall I do? Please hear this. I will pray with the Spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. First of all, time out. Notice that Paul has made a distinction between praying praying with the Spirit and praying with the mind. He's talking about praying in tongues or praying with his understanding. First of all, got it? When he says pray with the Spirit, he's talking about praying in tongues. When he says pray in the Spirit, he means praying in tongues. And also with his understanding, with his mind. I'll do both. And then he said, I'll sing with the Spirit, and I'll also sing with my mind also. By the way, parenthetically, Mama Gail said to me, we're teaching our kids to do that. Three kids got baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in their tongues on Wednesday night. So they're teaching our kids to do both, to sing and to pray in the Spirit and with their understanding. First of all, so we, we we see the distinction that he makes, but I also want us to consider the dance that's happening, and this is so important. Again, when I as I grew up as a classical Pentecostal, I'm not faulting anybody, but the somehow we inherited the idea that there needed to be two silos: a silo I pray in the spirit, and then there's praying with my mind, and there's and these are distinct; they're separate. But the problem with that kind of compartmentalization is that we have failed to benefit from the intention. One is supposed to influence and empower and affect and inspire the other. Yes, yes. Praying in the Spirit, although it doesn't originate in my mind, praying in the Spirit doesn't originate in my mind, but it is supposed to affect it. When we have compartmentalized mind and spirit, that, that, that separation has separated the influence of the spirit from our person, which leaves us with a whole history of people who speak in tongues, but then never can speak a kind word. They speak in tongues, and they're just mean. There's no influence because they built a silo. Someone told them, don't, don't connect those two things. they built a silo. Instead of understanding, Paul's saying, I pray in the Spirit, and then I wait, and I listen, and I yield, and I let the influence of the Spirit come into my own life, and then it begins to affect my thoughts, and the Holy Spirit begins to affect my affections, and then my feelings, and my imagination, and He begins to sweeten me, and begins to strengthen me, and then He helps me to pray. He, The Holy Spirit prays, and then I wait, and then I pray in response, I listen and sometimes there's something specific sometimes there's not an interpretation sometimes it's just a sense of his holy influence upon my life I'll do both I pray in the spirit because I need his help Oral Roberts said this he said he designed he designed he drew out he designed the whole campus of Oral Roberts University and if you've been there it looks especially from the 60s forward it looks like nothing else on the planet and he said he built it through prayer through tongues interpretation. He prayed in the spirit, and then interpreted what he said and designed it. You might say, "Well, that sounds a little odd." Well, I'll tell you, here's the deal. I try to I try to keep a journal, and sometimes I'll take I'll take a, a question or a concern or a crisis or anything, and I'll put it in front of me, and I'll ask the Lord to help me, and then I'll take a moment and I'll just pray in the spirit, and then I'll wait. And sometimes I. Sometimes it's more I get there's more of a holy influence there's more of an inclination and sometimes there's something specific and I have a journal and if I feel anything specific I'll write that down so this last week um I was I was I was I had some uh some a responsibility as presbyter to go all the way to, to go to the city of Cathlamet, which I misunderestimated <laughs> how far away that was and so uh, I, it was a long way away. So I got there, and I and I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? And I and I and I prayed about that trip, and I and I wrote down. Here's what I wrote down. I wrote down. And it was and I, it was a Thursday afternoon meeting. So this is a Thursday afternoon, uh, on and I thought, okay. So I wrote down, prayed in the spirit, and I heard hug necks, pray in sanctuary. So I thought, well, Lord, I I don't know how that's possible. I'm not scheduling appointments. No one knows I'm coming, and. It's the afternoon. I don't know what, okay. I'll, if this is if this is you, I'll know. <laughs> so I'll try to make this quick because we're almost done anyway. I know we're at one minute over time, but we're okay. So I go to Kath I meet with that pastor. It's a good time. And what do I do? I get there. I listen to him. And then what do I do? I hug his neck I hug him good I say let's go into your sanctuary and we take it we go into the sanctuary and I walk around and I pray and he's very moved he's very it helped him to minister to him just to pray over him and his wife and his church pacing back and forth in his sanctuary it's about done I leave i I leave um, I leave Kathlamet and I'm on my way back and the next the the next church the next town where there's a church is the city of aberham and I, and I think, well, I don't know what the name of Abernathy is. I don't know the name of the church, because everybody changes their name, you know. You know, it's we used to just be so-and-so Assembly of God. Now everybody's, you know, Wind. Or, you know, or Aspire. You know, or, you know, Mountain View, River View, Lake View, North Lake, South Lake, East Lake, Middle of the Lake. All bottom of the lake, all these things. And so I don't know what... So I, who knows what the name of the church is? And so I'm trying to... And so I pull over on the, on the side of the road and I pull up my phone and I'm trying to type in what the, where this church is and what its name is, but of course, I have no reception because I'm on Highway 4 in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the afternoon. So I think, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I mean, I know what you said, what I felt that you were, I said, but maybe I was off, whatever. I put my phone down, I look up and on the sign... It says, Abernathy Assembly of God, one mile that way. And that's what I did. I chuckled. I said, Lord, you're funny. So I, said, mm. so I turn, I pull up, I go up the side of the road, and I pull in, and I find it. I pull into the parking lot, and it's raining, and there's a truck there with all of its doors open, and there's four kids dangling out of the truck. Two of them are crying. Two of them are crying, upset, having a hard PK day, Right? They're having a hard PK day And I thought And I said Oh hey guys They don't know me from Adam Hey guys You know I'm a creep Hey Um, And uh, And uh, And uh, I say Of course I say The next creepy thing is Where's your dad? (laughs) And they point that way And uh, I I start to walk in And out from And bless his heart Out from the the church Onto onto the, the patio Comes this exasperated man and, I, and he, I could, he looks exasperated, so I try to be funny. So I pretend that I'm an angry parishioner. Yeah, because I'm that funny. I said, Pastor, I've got a problem. And uh, I know none of you ever talk like that, but I pretended to be one of the You're never not. And, and all he said to me was, I'm so frustrated right now. And I thought, okay. And so I came closer, and here's the deal. God bless him. He was frustrated because I had just shown up, and he had just had a moment of, let's say, um, uh, 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 mm, a moment of discontent with his children. I know none of you know what that's like. He had just had a moment where he had had all he can stand, and he could stand no more. He's trying to get ready. His kids are driving him nuts, doing all the things, and he had just had a little bit of a sideways. And as soon as he had a sideways his presbyter showed up. And then he starts to feel all the same game. And he says, oh man, here you are. You got to keep me accountable. I'm this and I'm that. And you know what I said to him? I didn't say anything about that. I just said, come here, bud. And I hugged his neck. And I told him, you're a good man. You're a good daddy. You're a good husband. You're a good pastor. Let's go inside. We go into a sanctuary. He tells me about all the work they're doing in there and I go to his pulpit. I anoint it with oil. I kneel down, lay hands on his pulpit, pray over him in his church. And I thought, Lord, how'd you do that? How do you know? Couldn't, Lord, you couldn't time that better. So then I get up back on the road, and he says, "Hey, do we, my house is a mile up the road." I said, "No, I, I got. I think I got more to do." So I get on the road, and I go back on the road. Now it's after four o'clock. Everybody's nobody's still in the office after four o'clock. But I drive, I drive into Kelso, I get to Kelso, used to be Kelso first and somebody got it, pull into the parking lot and I say, Lord, here I am. And I go to the door and it's locked. Oh, well Lord, I don't know what to do, the door's locked. So I turn around and somebody opens the door behind me. And they say, Are you supposed do I need to let you in? I said, I believe so. <laughs> And so I came in to down there and, and, and I walked downstairs and I saw two of the associate pastors from Kelso First that I know. And they're sitting right down there on the couch. They're going over some stuff and they're very focused and they're talking because it's 4 o'clock. They don't expect anybody there. And they look up and they say, ah, 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 just random syllables because they don't understand why I'm standing there. <laughs> and they say, Dave, they, they say, Dave, what's up? What do you need? What's going on? I said, nothing, boys, nothing, boys. And so they both stand up and I said, I'm just here for this. So I hug them. I just say, you're good, boys. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. Now, how do I get into your sanctuary? They said, well, it's right that way because it's, all the doors are locked. I said, go around now. I said, all right, boys, if you hear Shama Lama, that's me. Yes. So I up, opened up my phone, and I begin to pray over the – and I video myself praying, because I, and I send that because that was nothing in my notes. If I if, send a video to the senior pastor, let him know I'm in his – and I'm praying for him. So I send that to him. And then I get, long story short, I go to one more church. They're not there, but I do the same thing, get to their door, video, send. What I'm saying is, if I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding, I pray in the Spirit because I need His help. Romans chapter 6, verses 26 and 27 says, Now in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know how to pray. But listen but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He searches the hearts, and He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not only does He help me pray with my understanding, but there are also times where, I, where, where beyond my capacity to understand, I don't know what to pray. Maybe the need is too deep or too great or too significant, or I'm at the end of my rope, but I can lean upon the Holy Spirit, and He will pray through me according to the will of God. And he will intercede With the very passion of heaven For my concerns And you know as well as I do We've all been in those circumstances Where we don't have words But we can trust the Holy Spirit To help us pray We trust the Holy Spirit And we yield to his influence Two more things and I'll I'll wrap it up I promise I'll be fast Okay. So the, the, the third reason I pray in the Spirit Is simply because of obedience 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, Paul, your Bible might say, I wish you all spoke in tongues. That's not a good translation. The best translation is, I want you all to speak. And the word want there is the word phalo. It means I am willing. It doesn't mean I give you permission. It means I prefer it. It's the same word that Jesus used when he spoke to the leper, when the leper said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, oh, I'd be delighted. I prefer you well. This is Paul saying to the church, I want you all to speak. And if Paul wants me to do it, I'm doing it. That's enough for me. But he also says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. And we already know what Paul means when he says pray in the Spirit. We already heard that because he makes the distinction. So he wants me to do it all the time. All right, I'll do it because I need his help, yeah. and he knows how to pray. I'm going to trust him. The, the fourth and final reason that I'll share this morning is this: I pray in the spirit because of edification. Everybody say that out loud. First Corinthians fourteen four. We already heard this. Paul says the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. When when I pray in the spirit. I am, there is something happening inside of me. Not only is the Spirit interceding, He is building, He is edifying. I am getting stronger or sweeter or wiser or better than I was before. Not better than you, not more loved by God, but there is, but the Holy Spirit is at work in my life, building me, edifying me. And the, the second part is He who, prophesies edifies the church there i believe this is actually a rhythm here it's my african friends that have told me this they said dab only an edified man can edify others jude 20 but you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith, in your most holy faith praying in the spirit jude says as we pray in the spirit we are building ourselves up in our faith then the last thing, the thing that's the, the great invitation for me is First Corinthians fourteen, eighteen. Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He's talking to the church of Corinth. And what I need to tell you this quickly is that for a Jewish man of Paul's time, for him to divulge such a private aspect of his life, Ben Witherington III said it had to be a significant part of his life for it to spill out in the open like that. They just didn't separate or distinct themselves or talk about their private life that much. But Paul says, even to these church, this church at Corinth, he's not bragging and he's not measuring. He is saying, I recognize the value that praying in the Spirit has in my life. And I am so thankful for it. I, and I'm thankful. It's, I, I do it so much. I'm sure I do it more than you all. But I am thankful to God for the impact and the influence that it has in my life. Yeah. And here's the thing. If Paul Paul seemed to know something of the significance yes. of praying in the Spirit, and I want to find out what he knew. Yes. Is there anybody with me? Yes. Because if any of that, what we just said is true, if any of it is true, we should be praying in the Spirit. Yes. So I'm just looking for somebody who will believe this with me. Yes. Who will believe it beyond sentiment Believe it right into sacrifice Who will just shift and make this a part of their lives I hesitate to do this because of how it could come across But my hope is that it will come across in the right way A few years ago I had a goal because of this passage I had a goal to to pray in the spirit I wanted to see what would happen What would happen if I could see a difference If this is real it should make a difference I said I want to see what would happen If I prayed for 300 hours in the spirit over a given year I wanted to see what would happen That was a few years ago I'll be at 300 hours by the end of May this year. That's only to say to you, I am on a journey because I want everything heaven has. If this is real, then let's do this for real. Let's not relegate tongues to something else. Let's not create silos. Let's just be open to all, all that the Holy Spirit has for us. How should we pray in the Spirit? These last three things. This will take one more minute. First of all, be aware. When you pray in the Spirit, be aware that the Holy Spirit is fully present. Don't be mindless. Be aware. Be aware of His presence. Secondly, believe. Oh, say it out loud. Believe. Believe Believe that the Holy Spirit is working. That He is praying. He is interceding. And He is building. And thirdly, be diligent. Be diligent. If this is true, it's something we should do. Let's stand together. I want to ask the musicians just to lead us in this chorus. And I'm going to ask you just to breathe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Breathe in the very breath of God. And then just go ahead and exhale. Just go ahead and exhale and begin to pray in the Spirit. Pray with your understanding. Let the Holy Spirit do His work in your life today. And as in a few moments, if you're like, hey, I that's, that's, that's a new experience for me. I've never had that, but I'd sure like someone to pray, me, pray through it with me or pray me through that. We would love to pray with you, pray for you today. We'll open up the front and just do that. But let's first of all, Meg, just lead us real quick in this chorus. Just breathe in his presence, church. of God presence of the Lord. Lift your voice church just let the voice of God flow through you. Lord we bless your name let you go friends i've kept you so long and you've been so kind and patient but if you'd like to remain in prayer if you want to find a place of prayer if you'd like someone to pray with you or for you today the front of this place is open and we'll just keep this room a place of prayer otherwise the lord bless you go in the spirit today love on somebody and uh, find your kids be kind to someone on your way out Got anybody that wants to come and help me to pray or kind of hang back for those who want prayer, come on, help me.